Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of The Mentor. One of the things I get asked about a lot is the importance of learning about emerging technologies. So this week, our guests are Ben Wong and Sharbel Zita, and they are founders of an education company called Academy XI. They run long and short courses in things like virtual reality, user experience design, and growth marketing. They've grown really quickly and just raised more than $2 million from investors. Now, I know everyone wants to know how they do that. So I'm really interested to hear about that and their plans and who they're working with. So let's get into it. Ben and Chabelle, welcome to The Mentor. Thank you, Mark. Right, thank you, Mark. What nice an unusual combination of nationalities or at least uh, heritage. <laughs> Can you notice so, the difference? What's your, what's your heritage? Um, I'm actually half Kiwi, half Chinese, but half Kiwi, Australia half is my home. Yep. And Chabelle? My parents are both Lebanese. Yeah, I was born, born in Sydney. Born in Sydney. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, how'd you two guys meet? Yeah, uh, we were actually talking uh, at the city of Sydney um, for uh, a talk on startups. So I was talking on the topic of uh, startup, for ecos- uh, startup ecosystem and Shaba was talking on uh, startup for UX. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we, we connected and um, you know, sort of talked about some exciting things within the education space and that sort of got us so that Was that seed start? Um, no, it was uh, it was it was one thing that the city of Sydney was running uh, on. It was this, like startup one hundred and one thing they were running for the community. So they they do this every month and, and oh, like a town hall. And, yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Customs that house, was at Customs House. Yeah. Customs yeah. House. Yeah. So I mean, th- th- there's an example of networking, which people are always asking me about ne- the importance of networking. So how do you rate networking, and what is it that you think people who are listening to this should get out of networking? Given your your good experience so far, I think networking. It's uh, for us. I mean that the 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 thing with networking is really about community building. Um, just with my background, I've been in the digital game for about 18 years, so the networking for me is quite a natural thing within the industry. Um, the next level where we're at, it's, it's a really important thing, A, for visibility, and B, um, we start to meet people who are in similar positions of where we are. Like, you know, we're, we're a relatively new business in the market. Um, you know, we're kind of new founders as well, a new partnership. So it's really important for us um, from a visibility perspective as well as um, trying to meet the community who we're serving. But I, well. I was actually more interested in like networking oh. given that you two met each other. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Did, you, yeah. did you go to this City of Sydney function in order to network? Or And one of the things I want to – and I would like you also to comment. That's one. I would also like you to comment on that um, – Networking is an interesting thing to me. There's vendors and there's um, there's buyers and sellers, um, 
if you're at a networking of if you're at an event which happens to be networking and you're the vendor so you two are vendors because you're up there speaking mm-hmm. so you're yep. vendoring something and the, I think the vendoring part is more powerful than the purchasing part mm. um, it's one of the few, few occasions when the vendors are more important than the purchasers um, so what do you guys think about that I mean, because you know people say oh should I, should I go to one of these City of Sydney I'd love yeah. to go to a Sydney Sydney <laughs> event and will I do what um, ben and Charbel have done. Like, would I be so successful? Meet someone who's going to be a good partner for me. What, what do you think about that? Yeah, well, I think if you don't put yourself out there, then you're never going to be found, right? So the whole idea of networking is really putting yourself out there, being confident about what you're talking about or what you're interested in. And when you put your, yourself out there, then usually we get people that have similar interests or that align with you or um, can help you out. So, so how did you approach Charbel then? So what did you say? I mean, did he approach you? <laughs> how did it work? It was a little bit cheeky. Like we, we kind of, um, I had set up an agency um, at the time and I was a little bit reluctant to go because I was teaching um, on Saturdays from the agency and Ben at that point was working for a competitor so it was a little bit cheeky like we just said didn't really want to talk to him but just I was really impressed with what he spoke about which was about the start How of the ecosystem. How he spoke about Yeah, yeah, it had real presence and it was really interesting insight into the Sydney ecosystem um, and, you know, as reluctant as I was, you know, to learn Wolf, I leant over and said, look, that was really good. You know, it was um, very, very impressive <laughs> and I didn't want to, but it was true. So, um, so at that point, that's where our conversation really that was a trigger for our conversation. So it wasn't a pre-planned thing and you went out there purposefully to network and meet somebody to talk to them about some business ideas you might have. It was actually mm. um, more compelling at the time, and uh, but also it was very um, spontaneous. It, it was, and, and I know from, I remember that, um, Dave, my, my objective was really to get out there and show the industry that, what I was doing. Um, so so you, as a vendor, as I said. Yeah, as, as a, a vendor, vendor. Yeah, it wasn't, the intention wasn't to find a co-founder. Hmm. That was, a, that was <laughs> what about you, ben? That was the unintended Yeah, I, I guess my, my, my purpose was really about building confidence and really building my profile. So uh, it's something that... So you, you wanted know, to showcase yourself. Showcase myself. And, and, and experience, experiential sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I hadn't done a lot of public speaking before, but, you know, in the last in that, in that year, I'd, I'd you know, gone, gone from not speaking in front of more than 20 people to speaking in front of 1,000 people by, by the end of the year. And, and that was really quite exciting thing for me because I'd never had the confidence previously to put myself out there and as soon as I did start to put myself out there I'd get people interested in wanting to talk to me helping me out or, or me being able to help them out and, and that's what helped me build my network and, and my confidence in what I was doing Okay so I mean one of the things that just come out of this then and, and I think this is interesting for our audience is um, if you want to get the best out of networking or fast track your networking um, obviously go to you got to put yourself out there that's the first thing it doesn't work unless people know about you but you, it's good to be a vendor. And, and the vendor, I don't mean you're selling your service, but what I mean is you're promoting yourself or you're mm. expressing yourself in those environments. In other words, you're out there telling people about who I am. Mm. And it doesn't matter how good you are. It's, yeah. I mean, <laughs> if the content is good. I don't, and I mean, I'm not saying you don't have to be Anthony Robbins at doing it, <laughs> but as long as your content is good yeah. and you're trying to say you're throwing a lure out there Here's my content. Otherwise, if you're not a vendor, if you're not vending, that means you're sitting in the crowd. Mm-hmm. The best you're going to get is 30 seconds with the person sitting next to you or somebody else. Mm. I mean, and that, or, or you might be able to give an, a, a card over to somebody and that might spike their interest. But otherwise, it could be a, a time wasting. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I think if, if you're talking on something interesting or you have something to say and people are interested in it, then you're going to attract the right thing that you want to attract. Yeah, that's, that's just quite interesting. Anyway, so that's great. You two guys met at, a, at a, what I call a networking event. Mm-hmm. Uh, you both were vendors at the time, or vending, um, as opposed to being in the audience and receiving. Um, <clears throat> so, okay, we've got this business called 
Academy XI. First thing I want to know is, what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Yeah. That's it. It's a pretty solid name. I mean, for us, it's you know we, we come from um, just stepping it back. We look at uh, uh, from our point of view, personal responsibility and what we can do for the world, and our responsibility to invoke change, uh, positive change. Um, and you know, the time that Benny and I met, we were talking about the sort of impact we could have using education as a vehicle. Um, and and when we started working together, we were uh, working on the brand, what the brand essence was, and what the brand. Um, values are for us like what is it that we're trying to portray as a company and X was a really uh, interesting thing uh, from a mathematical perspective because X uh, mathematically is a variable and as soon as we apply this concept of personal responsibility and and uh, us being the people who can invoke change to the power of I so it's like whatever problem we see in the world we can actually affect change through, okay, so through that. it's complex mm. um, it's, it's well <laughs> yeah, thought so. through and it's, very, <laughs> it's very purposeful do you think I mean, I, I get it, that's, but that's hard to express. Mm. I mean, you've just, yes. just expressed it well to me. Um, but XI will sit up on a website somewhere and it's not going to express itself. It needs to be expressed. Mm. So, because I'll be honest, when I saw it, I thought I might, I might, because I knew that Ben was Chinese or Asian, or I don't know yeah. what nationality, but I knew, <laughs> I knew you were Asian of, of, of some, uh, up in that region anyway, somewhere up there. And uh, it was a bit like saying Europeans are all Greeks and Arabs are all the same. And uh, um, and I thought it might have been Z. I thought it might have been a, a part of someone's surname, Z. Um, so it, have you had any difficulty in getting the, the XI to stick? Yeah, uh, well, the funny thing is, we, you know, we've been on a few, a few shows and, and, and uh, TV um, uh um, you know, the shows and basically we'd have got everything from Academy G to Academy Z to Academy 14 and you know Academy F- 11 yeah, I, I, don't, yeah, I don't know how they got 16 I don't know yeah it's 11 and 11 yeah and and yeah we've got, we've got every, everything and everything yeah. and uh, you know for, for us like the vision is really strong it's like we want to become a school of the future um, and you know when that time comes and you know building brand doesn't happen overnight and we've built a pretty strong brand and our vision is is really um it is really about the future. It is really about um, solving the digital skills gap and, and making positive impact. So we wanted to have also that elusiveness of it so that um, that, that, that brand that really showcased something that um, wasn't certain. It was it was almost mysterious, mystical or, or unknown. Mm. And, uh, and because of that, that really helped us um, allow us to define who we were in the future. Yeah, um, so, and an academy nails it straight yeah. up because, I mean, yeah. obviously we all think of academy as a certain thing. Um, okay, so... I, 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 I guess I played around a little bit around the name, um, and to some to some extent, um, when it says XI, it, even though I might not get, it, I might more. I'm probably more likely to remember it because it's not generic. You know, it's it, it, Academy's sort of a reasonable descriptor, but XI is. I, I guess you're more likely to remember it if you don't really understand it. So I mean, like if you don't get it, and it doesn't really matter if you like it or hate it. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's all matters. All that matters is if someone remembers it. Yeah, that's all that matters. And, and and over time, when someone remembers it, all they're doing is giving you the opportunity to work on them to tell them what the message actually is. So, mm. when I set up Wizard, people either hated it or loved it. I mean, in those days, people didn't call businesses Wizard or something. I mean, it's more probably more common today. But back in nineteen ninety eight, um, but my took the view of that as long as they remember it, fifty percent remember it, fifty percent don't. Yep. I don't care. I got fifty percent. Then I got time to work on them. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. and explain them what it does because <laughs> a lot of people didn't know what it did in the beginning. So when you know I was on the state of origin jersey in '98, um, no one, no one knew 
what Wizard was. Um, and it took me a long time, a lot of money, to explain it to him. But those days, of course, we didn't have social mm. to, to, that helped out. That would help would have helped me tremendously in those days. Okay, so that's the name. That's the message. Mm. Tell me what you do. Yeah, so uh, we're a future-focused education company that provides short, practical, skill-specific uh, courses in the areas of design and emerging technology. Tell me the problem first. Okay, the problem. Yeah. What was the problem? What did you solve? <laughs> um, the problem we're solving is the digital skills gap. So as technology is um, you know, rapidly growing, uh, these the skills that are needed are, are not being filled in terms of de- you know, the demand that, that's available. So um, you know, companies are all wanting to hire better talent, but they're finding it very difficult to hire this talent because traditional education models aren't really you know, providing the education that needs to be done to fill these jobs. So, in other words, I go and do a commerce degree at the University of New South Wales, which is, you know, my university, um, and, I, <laughs> and I come out of it and I've got no, really got no digital skills, but I mm. might have an old school commerce degree. Mm. Exactly. I think, there's, I think nowadays if you do a, a degree, um, the time you finish it, it's 60% of those degrees are not going to have jobs available. Mm. So mm. Um, technology is moving that fast that you can't afford to learn tech long degrees and degrees that are not going to be, uh, or that are going to be you get no skill. by technology. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. You've got theory but no skill. Yeah. So, so problem is... Let's define the problem for that, for our listeners. The problem is that you let's do it in a really short term, short version. What is the problem? The problem is that it's an edu- in education. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So there's two. Yeah. Two problems. Two problems. <laughs> okay. So the big, the, the the biggest one that we're seeing, like the immediate needs now, is again because of technology changes. All these new jobs have emerged in the last fifteen years, and even newer jobs have emerged in the last couple of years. And there's no. There's no structure to train people in those things. And but that's a social problem. That's uh, it is. It's but also give me the problem that the consumers are going to uh, uh, that oh. you've identified. I, I, that's a social problem. <laughs> okay. And I'll be um, honest, you, I give a fuck about politics. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's for politicians. No, no, honestly, well, no. Just tell me what is the what is the problem that exists? Because I got, to, I think I got it in my mind. But yeah. what is the problem that exists for young people or old yeah. people? People just left the Holden plant. What yeah. is it? What's the problem that you're solving for? There's no education available for people needing to get the jobs that they need today. Yep. yep. That's yep. it. Agree? Yep. Got it. Totally. And and hmm. and the other part of it maybe is and, and what is the solution? So when I ha- when I present when I'm presented with a problem, let's say I'm working at Holden and um you know I've been working as in the factory for a long time and they just put me off. Um mm-hmm. and I'm not gonna get a TAFE. I mean I, I don't have the money and I don't have the time. Mm. Um, I'm, I I'm gonna really can't afford to go to TAFE for three years or whatever it takes to learn a skill. Um, I'm not going to go to university because I probably have to go back to school and do the HSC again or something. Um, so what do you? What's your solution hold for these individuals? Mm. Maybe Holden's not a great example, is it? Is that a people it's, from Holden? It's pretty. It's relevant. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty. Well, relevant. Or I'm a postman. <laughs> used to be a postie. Yeah, yeah you know, totally. Everything yeah. on a motorbike, which no so, one gets any delivered anymore. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> Yes, yeah, so so, so, the, so the solution really is about giving people skill-specific um, education. So teach them how to do a job. So teach them how to do a, a job that, that's relevant now. So we would teach someone in 10 weeks um, how to do something. 10 weeks, that's important. Yeah, <laughs> that's weeks. the killer. That's yeah. the one. That's the, that's, yeah. that's the thing. That's, yeah. 10 weeks. 10 weeks. 10 weeks. Um, and there's full-time or part-time options. And basically... Online? Uh, face-to-face at face-to-face? the moment. Face-to-face? Face-to-face at the moment. And so I turn up to one of your courses? Turn mm. up to one of the courses and you'll be working on a real life project it could be your own business so you could be taking an idea that you want to grow your own business or grow um, the skills in your business in a technological sense or um, grow your own uh, business um, uh, marketing or, or yeah marketing because yeah. of the way the way be, I read yeah. it here sorry sorry 
guys, but uh, it says virtual reality, user experience design and growth marketing. Um, it's yes. not just growth marketing. It's just mar- it's small, real small business. Yeah, yes. Sorry, yeah, no, you go. talk about marketing. Yeah, yeah, yeah growth marketing. I mean, I guess uh, I was actually talking um, uh, to David Koch uh, the other day on, on his show about growth marketing, and it's really about how you can uh, start with an idea or start with uh, a business, and you can basically test, validate that idea, and then once you can do that, you can acquire users. So it's about changing the mindset from just like, okay, I'm going to get users or customers. How do you how do you acquire them? How do you activate them? How do you um, how do you keep them uh, as ambassadors and, and get them to refer customers? And then ultimately, um, how do you, how do you get revenue constantly out of them? So lifetime value, so to speak. So as opposed to traditional marketing, where it's just like, hey, let's try to get customers. Hit miss. Uh, yeah, mm. and let, let's try to get Spray more technique. customers. Mm. Exactly. Yeah. So um, growth marketing is really considering the product that you're selling or the service that you're selling in mind and, and making sure that you essentially grow it and uh, around how you market it. So it's not yeah. just um, it's not just technology. I mean, it's probably using technology, but it's not. It's also about traditional business concepts. Yeah, absolutely. And, and this is where the other courses come into play as well. When we look at um, service design and user experience design. So service design looks at an entire business how a business and a service experience uh, fits in the world um, and looks at how, how customers move through a service journey. So all the different touch points that a customer experiences um, for, for with the business and then user experience design is looking at how do we design um, usable digital products. So uh, again, with the customer in mind. So when we've got these things, which is about designing the, the human experience, which is where VR and AR hit as well, then we get things like uh, growth marketing, which is all about reach and valid- or validation and so, reach. So and some, help me out here. Um, so um, in terms of um, VR and AR, hmm. why don't you explain yep. to me, because you're getting into new new age marketing, let's yeah. call it for a moment. Yeah. It's not really, but <laughs> it is, it is, and is. But you know, in VR and AR, we need to explain what those terms mean mm. in a second. I'll get you to explain what they mean. But um, but I, but I probably would like you to put it in a contextual sense that it's more about their marketing techniques or digital tools to market more directly to people, mm. especially um, VR um, mm-hmm. um, and AR too. So why don't you explain to me? or the people listening, mm. how I go and do one of your courses, I got a business, I go and do one of your courses, let's say I'm a hairdresser um, and I'm, I'm my, my business is in Gladesville and um, I'm competing against five other hairdressers in Gladesville. How would the 10-week course address me? Like, yeah, I guess in the particular scenario as the hairdresser, <laughs> um, right, if you were, let's say let's say you're the owner of the hairdresser or you want to make the, the business better, right? You want to do something different than other hairdressers. So with a thing like, something like AI technology, you might sort of decide to... Ha- Explain create. to everyone what it means. AI yeah. <laughs> so augmented reality um, is... So, I mean, have you used Snapchat before? Mm-hmm. Okay, so I know both Snapchat, of them Snapchat, Snapchat, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> but I want you to so, explain the audience um, there. Snapchat would be... So basically augmented reality is about um, transposing a layer over an existing... Um, view. So, in the in the case of your mobile phone and Snapchat, um, when you put over, say, your face, and you could put some nice hair and some nice locks all over your hair, um, and, and you could sort of see what a new hairstyle could look like. So, I can augment myself. You could augment yourself exactly. So, um, so they have everything from your phone to particularly goggles that you can put on your face, on your face, like the Hololens or the Meta Two. Um, and so, in this case of the hairdresser, you would be able to, um, you know, create an app or create a, a program that could allow you to. Um, put different hairstyles onto someone and so that you could uh, basically see what that hairstyle would look like before you actually took right, the, okay. so, the, the, the risk. So girl customers, a lot of times, walk into a hairdresser 
with photographs they took out of a magazine. Mm. And so I want to look like that. Mm. Yeah. Oh, that's the hair cut yeah. I want, okay? <laughs> hair, hairdo or hairstyle, whatever they call it, I want. What you're suggesting is through augmented reality or the technology that helps them do that, you would uh, um, you would give the hairdresser the ability to have a an app that I can, me, um, well, let's call me, me uh, the, the cons- consumer, the hairdressing customer, can go into, download that app and put all those hairstyles on themselves mm. yep. on their yep. own face. So in other words, they'd probably upload a photograph of themselves, yep. put it onto the app, and then just transfer the hairstyles, yeah, colours, everything. Yeah, well, you could do it in real time. So you could do it as yeah. if like a Snapchat a filter. You basically. can do it there and then. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So as they walk in the shop. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So you could have all those hairstyles. Before they make a mistake. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah but I mean, that makes yeah, sense. Yeah. yeah. Because, I mean, how many people do you know? I've, I've known girls in over the past who, oh, that's a good hairdo. My first wife was like that. Um, she would, but then it didn't look the same on her as it looked on, um, you know, whoever it was, Mia Farrow or someone like that. Um, it just, just didn't look the same, you know. What I mean? and, uh, and they should be doing this sort of stuff. And this is, so you're, so you're suggesting, but it, it, just using these, these two technologies, these two tools, digital tools, that you can help someone grow their business, maybe then make them stand out against all the other hairdressers in the area. So now that gives them a unique you advantage. Could, you, could, you can definitely do that. Um, or alternatively, you can create a new business completely from scratch, right? So we have one student in, in one of the classes. He's, uh, an edu- he's, he's now created an education business, um, which is just teaching people Japanese or other languages inside, inside virtual reality. So you could be in Japan learning Japanese, basically. Um, so, yeah, I, I think you can augment or evolve your current business and make it more attractive or alternatively create a completely new one. So, th- so your business is educating people about these concepts, but actually not just in theory, you're taking them through the process. Mm. So let's say, I presume, let's say in one of your classes, there's 10 people for argument's sake, and there's you know a hairdresser and there's a butcher and, a, and um, whatever. But not, I can't think of another eight, eight more businesses. And you would, how do you structure the classes? Do you, how do you t- take them through the process? Like 10 weeks, did you say? Yeah. Yep, once a week, yeah. once a week or twice it's, a week? It, it depends. One, it's effectively uh, for a part-time course. It's one day a week or two nights a week, yep. uh, depending on oh, for like a full day or two two evenings. Yeah, yeah. 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 Or for the ten-week full-time course, it is five days a week, five right. full days a week. Yep. Um, and uh, structurally, what we do, we've got this concept of present, practice, and bed. So present is like we, we present some theory, a, a bit of a theoretical framework. Yep. Uh, practice, which is immediate exercises related to the thing that we've just presented. Yep. Um, and then the embedding is typically homework where they've got to go away and do some work, whether it's it's coming up with a concept, doing a bit of research, whatever it might be. Each individual um, or just the cl- as a class? It depends, on again, on the course. Some courses lend themselves to individual work. Other courses lend themselves to group work. So, right. you know, for service design, it is all about group work because it is about collaborative design. Uh, things like AR lends itself a bit more to individual work. Um, that said, you know, we have done group work as well. Yeah, because I don't want to, by the way, I don't want to bog you down on AR and VR because yeah. it's, no, it's, it's probably a very specific, market. yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's a small market in terms of who understands it, it'll become a big market, but yeah. it's, it, there are, you're, you're, you have a broader approach to that in your education program. In your academy, yep, yep, completely, and and um, you know, I think if, if you look at a couple of examples that we've recently done, so we keep it really practical, really relevant. So some of the people in the growth marketing course will bring their own ideas and take it through from start to finish, and come out with an idea, and then come out with a business by the end of it, or come with a business and a more successful business. While things like service design, as Shabo mentioned earlier, um, you know, we've brought in 
you know, one of the top airlines in Australia to, to use as a case study. So working on a real project as well as the Department of Education. We've also brought them in and, and worked on one of their real projects, actually two now, um, and, you know, taking um, as if we were really doing the work, which we are. Uh, and this work's been presented to in conferences, you know, work that students have done, just learned and just applied. Um, so it's, it's, re- it's like a bit like an incubator in some respect. Yeah, yeah, you could, you could more, say that. Yeah. More, more to do with the talent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it's mm-hmm. just a, and you're not leaving them to their own devices yeah, as exactly. you would an incubator. You make yourself available in an incubator, but that's, yeah. that's, that's cool. Definitely. So so do you have to have uh, – this is a boring stuff, but do you have to have some sort of license around this stuff? Um, we're, not an, we're not an RTO, so we're, we're, not, we're not having to get people to pay through the government money. So because of that, we're, we're really just a, um, a, a training company teaching practical skills, so similar to any other business in that way. Um, yeah, so, so in, that, in that way, we've, we've steered away from the RTO reg- regulations because of the fact of the nature of our business, and it, we want to keep it really dynamic. You know, something is virtual reality, you can't really... You can't really coin that into, into into a course without being affected about the changes in technology because it's mm. going to change while you're doing the course. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and so if we were to go through those regulatory bodies, then we would end up, you know, not being a successful business. You get bogged down too. Totally. Exactly. And all of a sudden, we've got to pin our courses on to something that's familiar in, yeah. from a curriculum perspective. Even UX design, we inquired about it when we first started. We'd have to pin it to graphic design because that's the only thing that they could reference that was related to design. Which is the reason why education is so fucked at the moment because yeah. everything's around the regulation. Are we allowed to swear? I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> you swore twice, so, so I'm just, I just want to know. You say whatever you like. You have, say it however you want. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah do whatever you want. I mean, like, and that's all, the whole objective here is we're having a conversation. We're, yeah. we're not. We're not oh. you know. yeah. So, like, and, and I, yeah, so because so I, I often think about this education system and uh, I mean, I get. And I'm, I get quite upset about it because they charge a fortune to go to university, and you come out of university today, un, basically unskilled. You might have a little bit of education. You might be able to prove that you can pass exams, you can turn up to tutes and lectures, and all that sort of stuff. Um, and it's such a struggle for them because you know most students have to go and get a part-time job. I don't mean it's tough, but I mean it's a struggle because there's like no upside. You think yourself, I might, even get a, might not even get a job. Mm. And then after that, generally speaking, you have to go and get a, another degree because it's not enough. You have to go and get a postgrad degree because everyone's got a degree. Yeah. They're like assholes. You need to get another one. Yeah. And, uh, and then you've got to spend more money and you're confronted with the situation, well, you know, like I've got to spend another 30000 to get a, a, a postgrad yeah. degree. Yeah. And, uh, and by the way, I'm working now, so I'm going to have to do it part-time, which means I'm going to have to do it online, which makes it three times as hard. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I think, and I, I think this is good because it's what it's done is it's – I'm not, I'm not sure if it's disrupting. It's disruptive, but I don't know if it's going to disrupt. But the education system is ready for disruption because it's old, it's heavy, it's expensive, it's controlled, it's regulated, um, it's boring, um, and it's becoming irrelevant. Exactly. And, and you're in a position to say, I'm going to do something that's relevant. I'm going to do something that's quick, like it's a sprint. Mm. Um, and, and it's affordable. I presume you're yep. affordable. Yep. What's ten weeks cost? Uh, I, I guess it depends on the course. But yeah, yeah. Um, full time is ten thousand dollars. Part time is three thousand five hundred dollars. But with something as like the full time course, you know, people are coming out of that getting jobs out, out of the. And do you give them something yeah. like certificate? You can't, can you? Because um, you're not regular, yeah, not an official. Not, yeah, it's yeah. more yeah. about yeah. them it's completing, and it's more about their portfolio piece that they have at the end. Mm-hmm. So yeah. um, we want to either get you 
your, your business growing or alternatively get you in a position that you can now get better employment or completely new employment yeah. if you're looking to So transfer. it applies to individuals just as much as it does to businesses. Yep. So I come out of hold and I can't, I've been there for mm. all my life and I, I want to go and do something totally different. Mm. Um, I can come to your course yep. um, or I'm running a bit. So if I'm, let's say I'm Hugh and I are running a business, my, mm. our producer up here, yep. um, can I bring him along with me? And I don't sure. I mean to say, look, I pay the, I pay the money, but then I can say, well, I'm running the business. I want to get my business approved. Can Hugh sort of lob alongside me? Um, he'd have to, he'd have to sign up as well. But right. you know, we, we, we get people who bring businesses in, um, also for our students as well. So let's say, for example, if you had a business that you're working in, um, you could, you could be a client, a client project because some of the students don't have these businesses, so they want real yeah. life case studies. So you could essentially come in as a client um, and you could put your project in and we could help get the students to work on it and have a, an industry professional leading along the way to, to train you up in that area. And do you have exams? No exams. No. Good. There, there are final presentations. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but, yeah, so, well, yeah, but yeah. that's that's your final test. But yeah. it's, it's yeah. sort of you know it's a, a little bit. It's a little bit like um, a thesis. Like you know you're mm. going from un, you're not even doing the undergrad or the postgrad, go straight to the PhD, yeah. and you yeah. produce you produce your thesis. Yeah. You know, you're, but you're helping them produce their thesis yeah. in a ten week period. Mm. A thesis could be on how my business is going to run better. Or the thesis could be on. Um, how I, as an individual, are going to become change of um, you know change of career? That's my thesis, and thesis is on yourself, really, or on your business. Yeah. It's actually quite interesting because it's nearly like you're building a PhD course, um, short form, inexpensive, relevant PhD course in skills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Definitely. Just did your message for you. Okay, we've we got to go to the break. I'm going to come Thank back you. from the break. I'm going to come back from the break. And um, after the break, I want to talk to you about, and, and this is important, um, how you raise money. Mm. You're obviously very impressive guys. You've got a good business and a good case. You're obviously doing a lot of work, and you've impressed a number of people who you go to see because it's hard to raise two million bucks today. Mm. I want to yeah. talk to you about that. Welcome back to The Mentor. I'm now with Ben Wong and... Shabelle Zeta, even though he's got a silent A in there. Uh, and an I just to throw it. Yeah, yeah, and an yeah. I as well. Yeah. Um, and, and, and by the way, these guys are the founders of a digital education company called Academy XI. I actually think the name is very good. And these guys are doing fast track, inexpensive PhD courses where you produce a thesis on your business or for yourself on a go forward basis. That's We've established that much. Okay. And I actually think this is fantastic. And I, I love all these disruptive education businesses that are sort of just starting to come out of the woodwork because I'm, I'm whilst I'm, a, I'm an old school guy myself in terms of, um, in terms of my own alumni uh, relationships with um, universities, but I do know that it's time for a change. But one of the things that you guys have been very successful at, and, and it's interesting, and it's not, I know it's not an easy road. But very successful there because as a startup, it's hard to raise money. And everybody who comes on the show is always asking me how they raise money. And so it's better for me just to ask you to tell them how you went about the process of raising money. Is this your first raising? Uh, kind of. Yeah. 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 Okay. Let's, it's yeah. Your, yeah. First, yeah. your first real official first, round. First, yeah. First. Oh, oh this is oh, a second, second, second round. Yeah. yeah. Official round. Yeah. yeah. A second official round. Okay. Yeah. Tell me how you first funded it. So t- was it you guys or yeah. mum yeah. and dad or whatever? How, uh, how for the first six months, it was uh, bootstrapped. So, mm. so we relied on uh, personal funds just to get us through. 
Um, and the first six months was really about trialing the model. So it was we focused on user experience design to test, um, A, to test ourselves to see do we have what it takes to push forward, to test the format, um, to test our ability to, to reach, which worked. Test your uh, relationship. Uh, test our relationship. Yeah. And it was good because we, we had only met uh, when we started. We had only known each other for five. We'd met two, three months before, but we'd joined forces a few weeks before we we created Academy XI as a company. So it was a very, very new um, business relationship. And the nature of our work is means that we have to develop a personal relationship totally. as well. So, um, and that worked. We sell, I think we did really well yeah. for six months. Um, you know, it was great. So we grew. And at that point, we were actually approached um, by a company, an Australian. Um, it's a, they're, they're from an agency, an innovation consultancy, and they had their own investment fund. So they started investing in startups. So, um, and I was a bit suspicious of them. when we They, they approached you? Yeah, yeah, because wow, yeah, they'd seen. That's great. Yeah, so they'd seen what we were doing. That, that and, means you must have been showcasing what you were doing. Uh, How do they know about you? Yeah, we were just doing great work, I think. But there has to be an awareness. Yeah, because the, the, the one, the, our core product at that point was, was UX, user right. experience design. Um, and we had uh, we'd turned out some pretty good students and they were getting hired. And that was, that was an important uh, success metric for us, is the fact that, yes, we can teach, but what do we do with students afterwards? So we spent a lot of time making sure that students were getting jobs or at least introduced uh, into companies. And so that was what piqued their attention uh, because they end up hiring one of our students, right? So that was an interest, and one of them I, I had met years and years ago when I was in in the design field. Um, so it was um, I didn't know that they were watching, but they were watching us. So and what did they and, say? Uh, so this is your they, first investor. Yeah, so that, that was I remember that meeting because I, I was just a little bit. It's like why on earth. I didn't say on earth. It was a different word. I'm not going to use your words. Why the fuck? I'm still, what the fuck? What the <laughs> fuck do they want with, you know, I was in there and I said, Benny, I'm not going to go to this meeting. And he goes, I'll just go see what's, what's happened. So I went up there and they said, look, love what you're doing. Um, we want to invest. And it was that blatant. Right. So, um, and I called Ben. I said, I think you got to get down here. <laughs> so <laughs> how did like, you deal with that? I mean, how, how did you work out what to do? Yeah, yeah. Look, it was, it was a pretty tough process. I mean, we, we'd already been reaching out to a few other companies uh, about the investment at the time, and and, and I think one of the guys that uh, had heard about us had also rec- we'd been recommended to these investors by a few people actually. Um, so not just by the students and the reputation, but by by uh, actually students of even competitors. <laughs> um, so so uh, it was quite interesting for them. They probably went, you know, these these guys are really awesome, and, and we like what they're doing. Uh, but when we got to that point, it was I mean, it, it was a pretty it was a pretty hard process because. You know, straight up, they were they were, they were super interested in investing, um, but the process itself took a bit more time of of being able to demonstrate our ability and really get um, concisely what we would what what our vision was for the company. Um, you know, making sure we had a financial model in place, uh, making sure that we had um, all the the proof of of our success and traction so far in, in place. Um, and so that process took about three months from the start to finish, and that was a the, the smaller seed round, which was about two hundred sixty thousand. And um, how did you work and how much? Should you give away for two hundred sixty thousand? Yeah, look, I, I think um, in, in a place like Australia, it's a very difficult place because if you try to compare yourself to the rest of the world, like like the US, um, you're not likely not going to get the valuation that you, that you're looking for. So, um, we started initially by using like sort of comparative investments around um, in the US and and what similar types of companies were, were getting uh, in in their in their rounds, and um, you know that that was nice, uh, and you know uh, and it didn't quite work out to to the to the valuation that we we're seeking initially but at least it sort of set a, a line in the sand saying hey this is what other companies are, are, are make uh, are getting from for this sort of um investment and you know we're in australia and so you know 
you know, divide that into half, <laughs> basically. Yeah. Um, and so we, we, we did, it, it, it was actually a really hard negotiation process because we got, you know, it was sort of like back and forth and with mm. completely different, um, different uh, uh, perspectives on, on the, on the valuation. But at the end of the day, you know, we stood our ground. We, we were confident about what we're doing. We were doing really well. So at that time, we, you know, we were willing to sort of like say, you know, this is this is what we think um, after the negotiations. And you know, they, they were they were great. And they came on board and supported us. And you know, so how much have to give away? That's a secret. Yeah, I don't think we're allowed to say that yet. Not yet. Yeah, we get allowed to. Okay, but you had to make a call. And did they put any conditions on it? Do they say, for example, oh. we want a board seat, or we want you to restructure the business, or we want a mm. new CEO, we want a CFO? Do what? Any conditions they, attached? They, they were really happy with how Ben and I were running yeah. um, as well. Like you know, just in terms of the relationship that we have, and also the delineation between what we do. So there was a really clear uh, delineation with us. So there's no conflict between what we're supposed to do. Um, so they were quite happy for us to keep running it. So we were checking in with them. So the conditions we, were that you guys keep running it. Yeah, yeah, effectively. Yeah. So did they lock you in. No, uh, no, no. There was no locking. Like there was no nothing in the contract that said it's like we have to stay working yeah. on this job. Yeah. Oh, I'll, I'll, we'd we'd, ha we'd have to give up the CA um, a a, a large a large uh, you know notice period. But you yeah. know, for us, we're we're in this for life. We have tattoos on our arms <laughs> with the with the exercise. So no, yeah. I get it. I get it. But but yeah. but yeah. But, if, but a lot of times investors actually want to yeah. lock you in with a contract. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Do they lock you in with the contract? In terms of yeah, we had. I mean, we had a bit of employment, employment contract. contract with yeah. yeah, an employment yeah. contract. Okay. Yeah. So they locked you in. Yeah. 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 Legally, I yeah. mean, yeah. contractually, course, they left. Course. They did all the um, sort of norm, normal formatted stuff. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, and then, at what point did you realise you needed to have a second round? Yeah, I mean, we had we have pretty ambitious goals, and our vision really is to change the world through education. And you know, we we realise that we've got to solve the digital skills gap, which is a, a big problem at the moment. And um, and so. You know where you know if if your if your goals are big, you've got to understand that to compete with the big dogs in the world or the comp competition that will rise, you've got to be able to um, raise raise and grow fast, right? Or or be able to grow fast, and to grow fast, you need to have capital to be able to to play in this market. So, um, knowing that our business, you know, we've we've got to we've got to grow at such a pace that you know we're going to reach a wider market faster. We've got to um, get customers faster, and it's expensive. It's not a profitable business um, straight up. I mean, although the, the gross margins are, are, are quite good, um, the the end of the business and, and how you approach the market, you've got to give a lot of weight to get a lot of traction. And um, so, bearing that in mind, in our expansion plans, we decided, hey, look, you know, we've got to raise a series um, a series A round uh, in uh, twelve. Uh, I think we we planned about eight months, but it ended up being twelve months when we got the investment. Um, and yeah, and so well, how did you find the investors um yeah we were we were quite fortunate um so we we uh i mean this comes back to sort of networking in a way but more about pr um we we managed to get a, an article in the AFR, afr about what we were doing um and you know it, it was a it was a bit of a um you know ex, uh, an interesting article <laughs> to well, say the least facts. yeah um but yeah. you know it, it, it definitely <laughs> <It doesn't> matter <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. it, 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 but it definitely caught the attention and we were already like going throughout the whole market looking for the right investors but i think we were looking in the, all the wrong places um you need to find investors that are, are aligned to to what your vision is and understand your type of business um which we we're probably approaching the wrong types of investors to start off with but when that article came out it really attracted the right uh, people who were interested in what we're doing so that article came out and off the back of that article you got people ringing you yeah 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 we got people ringing us Same, yeah. did the article say you were looking for investors or uh it, it's it said yes it did say we we're, right. were looking to raise money yeah, so right. i think mm -hmm. that helped um that you know it put it out there that hey look these guys are 
are doing well and uh, and they're, they're sort of pushing the boundaries in different places and that attracted the the interest of the first what investor. What type of investor did you get in round A? Uh, yeah, we got we got a really really awesome investor. Um, they're they're a um, investment fund called Allium Capital, um, and they invest in a range of different. Is it um, a family office or uh, a, or it's just a, a proper yeah, retail fund? Yeah, it's a it's a it's a retail fund. Right. Yeah, but um, it's 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 got it's an open ended fund. Um, and they've got like really really amazing guys running it. Um, you know, connected into the industry and really supportive. And they don't have a particular mandate where it's like, okay, we only invest in this sort of tech business. You know, they invest in everything from you know vertical farming to education to you know high tech businesses and cybersecurity. So um, because they have a, such a wide mandate, that allows them to invest in things that they believe in, um, as opposed to you know only what this line of, of investment is. So um, yeah, that, that, that helped us get through that next phase. And um, th- as it, it took a while for, for that relationship to be built and for them to be sure because they ended up introducing us to a few other investors. And when we got introduced to those other investors um, and one of them was very interested, uh, another investment firm called Pearl Ventures, um, that allowed that certainty to be able to be established and that relationship to, to be um, to move forward. And, and basically, then they decided to co-invest uh, together and, and support us on the next. And is that when journey. you raised $2 million or That's when we... Uh, so that was round A? Yep. What yeah. you're calling round A. So, um, and again, I'm, you don't need to tell me the number, but how does it... Because a lot of people say, no, I'm not, I'm not, I never go, we had someone a couple of weeks ago here, I'm not going to go getting this because I'm going to hold this all myself. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what's your view on that? I mean, do you feel as though you're losing control of it or you're, you're, I mean, do you, how do you feel about diluting your position? For, uh, it, it, I'll just tell a little story around that. It was an interesting uh, thing I heard uh, quite a number of years ago before I'd met Ben. Um, and that was about the time I'd met Ben. And I was sitting in this cafe in, in Sydney and there was a guy who was obviously coaching this person who was a startup founder and she was really resistant. She wanted to hold on to everything. And I was, you know, I don't like eavesdropping, but I was. Um, and and he snapped because he was trying to tell her to get some investment, to give up a bit of the company. And she was so resistant. And he goes, look, do you want 100% of a million dollar company or 50% of a hundred million dollar company? Mm. And that for me was, um, that, was a, it's a, that was an amazing uh, wake up call because that, that's what it is. It's effectively, we want to grow, as Benny was mentioning before, we want to scale. Yes, we can generate cash flow on our own, and we can we can generate and build the business steadily and, and uh, traditionally, or we can bring people in, and we don't look at it as just giving up a chunk of the business. We bring them in as investment partners because you know we catch up with them every month. Um, it's not that we catch up with them frequently, but we have official catch ups every month. To look at our targets, what our problems are, how we're going to solve them, uh, where we're we going to. So it's a really important thing to treat it for us as an investment partnership. So yes, we give up a part of the business, but we what we bring in is not just the cash. We bring in expertise. We bring in a board. We bring in guidance, um, which is all absolutely critical for us to and build that platform. Board. Yeah, sounding board. That's yeah. important. So we scale, and we're able to scale sensibly. Um, so, so fast, you, don't, you don't mind giving up your percentage, like the woman in the cafe, yeah. um, and because no, I think it's an important point. Mm. I mean, there's, not, there's not, nothing wrong with hold, holding on 100. percent It's fine, yeah. but just realise that you're constrained, yeah. um, and you either want. Sometimes it can be a mistake because you're in a fast, rapid changing business uh, industry segment. Um, unless you can get market share early and grow with the rapid change with the amount of capital you need to grow. Mm you're going to be left behind and the markets are going to take off without you. You're going to own up 100% of something is worth nothing. Mm. So you need to be growing with the market and or being the leader of change mm. as opposed to being someone who just keeps backfilling all the time. 
Yeah, exactly. And I, and I think, you know, I think regardless of whether you decide to take an investment uh, or whether you don't ex- decide to, to take an investment, you know, you've got to consider that what sort of relationship you get into, like whether you're getting into a co-founder relationship and that's a marriage essentially, or if you're getting into a, an investor um, relationship, that's a marriage as well, right? So it doesn't matter if you're going to take money, it's a great thing, um, but it can be a bad thing also. So you got to make sure that you get the right investments, investors. You know, people who are going to support you, people who are going to control you, people Patient, who believe yeah. in you, um, and, and that are going to support you. So our investors are, are amazing. Like they're they're completely behind us. They're going to support us um, and, and keep supporting us. Uh, and you know, I think that's the valuable thing, knowing that you've got that support there, um, that you can push the boundaries and not um, you know sort of be con- too conservative. And, and you know, if you're playing in the tech space, you can't be too conservative. You got to take risks. I guess take the right risks. Um, and so bearing that in mind, you want to have the people who have done this before, or have the connections or have the guidance. And at the end of the day, they're going to support you on that next growth if, if you do get to that point. And if you get to a point where you're, you're growing big, but you can't scale um, uh, because of resources, then you're in a position that you could go bankrupt. Um, mm. So, uh, you know, it's important to consider these things that, you know, what sort of relationship you're going to get into and, and are they going to support you? Do you believe they're going to support you? Uh, or do you believe they're, they're just in it for the short, you know, short Cash in. Well, they're the worst. Yeah. yeah exactly. They're the ones you don't want because they're going to give you brain damage yeah. for a short period um, <laughs> because they, they go, they've got mandates which expire and their, their clients want their money back and then they put pressure on you because they want to sell out or, yeah. they, you know, like uh, you need patient capital mm-hmm. who understands your industry, who understands that it doesn't happen overnight, who understands it's going to, you're going to take a few years of running losses to build your brand, build your business and get your critical mass. Mm. Americans are great at that. Yep. They, yep. they definitely yes. understand it. Unfortunately, there aren't, aren't too many funds around who do understand that. And the game here is to get to those organisations like you've been able to do. Um, how important do you, th- do you think public relations then therefore is in relation to raising money? Because that AFR article worked perfectly for you. Yeah. <laughs> did you do that through PR, or did you get to PR agency to get that article placed, or did, how did, or did they were just out of function? They saw you. Could we interview you? How did it work? I think that one in particular was from uh, from one of our investors. Actually, they they sort of recommended. I think they were looking for right. a startup in the space, and they actually recommended. So um, the tech writers rang the fund and rang the yeah. investors looking for someone. Yeah, yeah and they're looking for someone, and, and so they recommended us, and, and so that's I guess a great example of, of having good investors that that are willing to support you and, and give some direction, mm-hmm. and, and you know in this case PR. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think that's you know it's it's really valuable. I mean PR is is, is I mean depending on what industry you're in. And, for us, we're in we're in education where it's all about credibility, right? So, I think you know having that, you know, whether you're doing a good job or not, which we which we are, we're doing a really good job. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, you, you've got to understand that people need to un- understand that too. And so, PR is a great avenue for, for especially if it's to, AFR. Yeah. I mean, like it's yeah. be different. Maybe it probably may not got the same effective as a Daily Telegraph, but it, you know, got the AFR, great great endorsement. Yeah. And even though they'll probably get the facts wrong because yeah. they probably don't quite understand what it is you're doing, uh, but yeah. it doesn't matter. Someone else can pick it up there's an awareness in, in relation to that and then they mm-hmm. can get the facts right mm-hmm. but once they do the due diligence could you just explain quickly because we uh, i'm going to run out of time here but mm-hmm. could you just explain quickly to the people who are listening during the capital raising or the, the, the uh, not so much the seed funding but like say round a where you raise a two million dollars um did they enter into a due diligence period with you in other words before we we were interested but here's a term sheet but before we give you the two million bucks we want to understand a little bit about your business more did you have to go through that process? 
And what was that like? It was it was a, it was a big process, um, and also a good process for us because um, record keeping is absolutely critical. Like you got to have, you got to account for everything. You have to have structure. Um, if anyone wants a, a figure or a stat, you got to be able to access it really quickly. So it was a great activity for us anyway to get ourselves in complete order, um, which again has set us up for the next round. So we've got we've got a platform now where we know what we need to collect and uh, keep records of, and we build it over time rather than just trying to get it all done the night before. Rush around, yeah. So so for us, it was really good exercise in how, how well we actually knew the business, how well. Um, organized we were um, and also foundationally what sort of relationship we we had and what sort of relationships we built within the business for our team yeah so. yeah I, def- I definitely think that for, for anyone out there that is looking to fundraise I think you really need to have your have your have you do have your, your documents and everything prepared before you do it you know have your mm-hmm. financial model have your, your your investment deck or your memorandum if, if you want to go that far um, have your all your all your reports in place and, and financials and, and know your numbers too, know your metrics because they're, they're going to stick holes in you. <laughs> and, and, you know, if there's, yeah. if you, if you, if you don't have your numbers right, or if you don't have your numbers, that's a big worry for an investor because they're giving you a lot of money. And so they yeah. expect that, you know, um, you know, you know, that part of the business, you could be really good at sales. Or you could be really good at having a great product, but if you don't know your, your numbers and you don't have the foundations there, that's a big flag for them. And your assumptions and, and are the assumptions tested and, you know, yeah, have you exactly. done some sort of sensitivity analysis as to what happens if you're 10% wrong or 5% mm. wrong or yeah, either way, exactly. upside or downside. Yeah. Um, because they, they usually, the fund managers or the investors are usually f- fairly numerate. They're, they're quite quantitative individuals mm-hmm. um, because they don't know your business because yeah. otherwise they'd yeah. be doing it. Um, yeah. So, they're, But they're, what they <laughs> yeah. are is very quantitative. Yeah. So they understand numbers mm. and you've got to have your numbers right. There's no point in having mission fucking statements and, you know, a whole lot of, you know, they all love all that sort of stuff. But when it comes down to whether or not they're going to part with their money, yeah. they're going to know, want to know the numbers. Yeah. Of course. And, and it's, and it's yeah. just quantitative. And uh, for those investors, those um, small business owners out there trying to raise money or thinking about they need to raise money, um, you, you know, there's a course in this. You know, like to be honest with you, like it's you yeah. should and don't, as you just said, man, don't don't wait till the last minute. Yeah, you know, you should start day one. I'm mm. going to raise money in two years time, one year's time, maybe, maybe not, mm. but I, I I want to be in a position where I can, yeah. and I'm, I, therefore I should start today. Yep. What it is I need to have Absolutely. in a year's time. So I yeah. should know what value I want this business to be in a year's time. It doesn't matter if it's that, that gets it or not. Just what value do I want this business because mm-hmm. I might need to raise yeah. $2 million, so I only want to give away 20%, so it needs to be worth 10 What does $10, $10 million mm-hmm. means as an enterprise value means I need to have – you know, ten million dollars profit. Um, I'm selling widgets at uh, two bucks. My what's my margin? My margin's eighty percent. Work backwards. It's mm. not hard. Yeah. And and, and yeah. You, it doesn't matter if it's right or wrong. You present it to someone. They go, oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, only time will tell whether it's right or wrong. <laughs> yeah. You can't work that yeah. out at the time. Yeah. No, not at all. Yeah, so, guys, I normally give everyone an opportunity to ask me one question. What question? There's two of you. So, what question <laughs> do you want to ask? <laughs> um, yeah, well, we'll something. To share a yes, uh, something probably Bad. relevant. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you're obviously from the finance industry, so it'd be good to see what your thoughts were around, you know, the finance industry. And now that fintech is rising and you know, automation is happening, um, what, where do you see the jobs within that industry of finance going and, and, and becoming? Um, in finance, uh, well, I, I guess where the jobs. I, th- I think that um, the process of, well, transactionally, dealing with a bank, 
or someone like us, if you're just like on transactional accounts, I mean credit cards or um, money coming in, money going out, or you making payments, all that's going to be online. So I don't see there, there being too many jobs. In fact, I see that as a process of eliminating jobs uh, from a bank's point of view. They're trying to get their costs down because everything's electronic in that regard. Mm. Where there have been, where fintech is be- going to become very relevant is in the process of gathering data about you. So if I'm, I'll give you an example. If I'm somehow could draw all my accounts together. So right now, if I have an account with Macquarie Bank and I have, I might have my cash manager account with Macquarie Bank, I might have my credit card with ANZ. Very few people have everything at the same place. I might have some, um, my wages coming from over there from my boss um, and um, I might have my mortgage with Westpac and I might have, um, yeah, let's, let's assume that's the case. There is nobody today who gathers all that stuff mm. and puts it in one place. Mm. Now, if I knew if... My company, Yellow Brick Road, had a client who had all those accounts in those various places and all the data from that, all these transactions, his or her transactions, were dumped into one place, then sorted into a, like a P&L. In other words, this is all the money this guy gets in, and this is all the money this guy gets out, and these are the places he go, they go to, and this is what he's left with. Then... I could automatically assess that individual as to his ability as to whether or not he should, I should give him a loan or not without mm-hmm. him even coming yep. to me. Yep. So I could go to him and say, hi, Ben, um, you're, you're a, there's a, a view-only page here where I'm viewing your activity, your behaviour. I've viewed it over the last 18 months. Um, I'm prepared to lend you X amount of dollars for your small business mm-hmm. because on, I'm prepared to take the risk on it and this yep. is the interest rate because that's the interest rate is the interest rate is pricing for the risk that I now assessed, I have a complete sight or vision into all your activities as opposed to me sitting down with you asking you the questions because you might not tell me all the answers. Yep. And I don't know whether you've got accounts with someone else and someone else. And that, that could be, it could be good information you're not telling me about and mm-hmm. stuff that actually helps you get aligned with me or actually helps you get a better interest rate. So interest rate. So I see that the industry of assessing and gathering data around individuals who need to transact with a bank or an institution over time is all being gathered into one place and like a central data place, mm. something like the CSIRO owns. I can't remember the yeah. name of the thing that they own now, that data, that big data bank. Does 61. Does 61, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can see that yeah. being all sitting in some mm. place like that, mm. some third-party place. I'm mm. not sure if CSIRO is really a third-party, but something mm. like that. Because, and then um, it be instead of you coming to me for when you need money, I'll be going to you mm. saying, <laughs> I want to lend you money yeah. or I want to invest. Definitely. So, so it's almost like we, we, if mm. you're in finance, you should be learning about data and analytics. And, 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 so you need and, to understand and, data and analytics and gathering and, and how, do you, how do you, once I have the data, the dump, because you can do the, yeah. the scraping technologies around now mm. anyway that yep. exists, yes. um, but it's, it's really about how do I slice and dice it up Mm-hmm. for yeah. a particular product I'm trying to promote to you. Yeah. So there needs to be data analytics, but analytics around good credit quality. Yeah, awesome. So, and it's, yeah. it's, and it's not just – and I think that data then needs to be mixed with social. So mm. you really then need to go and say – overlay that and say, okay, well, here, this is what the quants say. Quant yeah. says that um, these two guys are, are good credit mm. because, you know, they're making more money than they're spending and – there's a lot of discretionary spend in there because I know it's they go to restaurants all the time. So that, that they could be in a better position if they choose to, not do the discretion. Same amount How of discretion. You find that? <laughs> <laughs> but, but but then the social overlay will yeah. be. Let's see what they say on Facebook. Mm. 
Yeah. Okay. Um, let's see what they're saying on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Let's see their character. Yeah. And I've, and have so character algorithms that yeah. sort of say to yeah. me, look, you know, he's doing very well the last twelve months. But by the way, but but the thing is, the last three years prior to that. He's a bit of a lunatic, and every time we turn around, he's on a holiday, and he's got a glass of champagne, and he's saying, yeah, maybe we don't want to really want to lend him money, money. Yeah. Uh, mm. Or we might re-risk it, yeah. re-risk yeah. rate it. So understanding the importance of social, not ju- I don't mean, I don't necessarily mean Instagram, by the way, just the whole digital spectrum. Yeah. It's, it's almost like growth yeah. marketing then. You, yeah, you, totally. <laughs> it's like, it's yeah. knowing, knowing your numbers yes, like, and, and, and then to market exactly. to them. And it's overlay much, them. Yeah, and, totally. and, and, and un, but have it, understand how the algorithm works, where yep. your weightings yep. are. Yep. I might give very little weight to what you do on Instagram, yep. but still, wh- how do I weight it? So mm. what we're talking about here is better education in financial services anyway, better education around the quantitative analysis or statistical analysis and what are the various statistics you should be looking at, and most importantly, where do I get them from? Yeah. Quickly, <laughs> yeah. without having to ring somebody up and ask you for it or yeah. go searching for it. How do I get them all into one place? Yeah. Perfect. Scraping no, techniques. That, that, that's, that's great. No, that's screen scrap. And you know how the screen scraping works. So there are – there's groups around who, who, you know, who currently um, experts in screen scraping uh, technologies. Yeah. Um, but how do I get Hugh here to um, – um, to effectively allow me to go and scrape everything from all his screens, even though he's not a customer of mine. Yeah. yeah. Excellent. Well, then I'm going to have to speak to you after about how to get into the banks with growth marketing then, because I think they need, they need to know that. Well, I, I know that they are working on this, but the, 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 the issue is with the banks is no one bank wants to share all that data with another bank. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Because I don't, yeah, I don't. Because yeah, they all take the view that I'm going to, I'm going to get Ben to give me all these accounts. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Once they accept that Ben's never going to do that, he's going to spread it, and they all all accept it. Then <laughs> so if they all join together, but they can't join together because they're not allowed to form a cartel. Yeah. Uh, okay. Absolutely. So yeah. there's so. a big opportunity for an individual or somebody yeah. else to okay. cartelize it. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. interesting. Very interesting. Data is king. I mean, this yeah. is the thing. And as soon as you overlay behavioral economics into this, um, things can change. It's really changed. So it's data. It's good product, um, and behavioral economics. It's powerful. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And and we have technology now that yeah. brings it all together in one place. Just yeah. that no one's quite doing it. Guys, thanks very much. Thank, Thank you, you very much. much. Really, I really enjoyed it. Thank, Thank you. you. Likewise. Thanks so much.